The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Merry Christmas to everyone. Glad to see all of you this evening. So we are glad that you're here with us tonight. We welcome you to our candlelight service. But I think what we should do is just take a little bit of time this evening to consider uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to think a, a little bit about the real reason for Christmas. If you've been out these past few days, uh, especially these last couple of days, you know, people are pushing and shoving and running over one another, trying to get Christmas presents and get all that last-minute shopping done, and I seriously doubt that too many people are really thinking about uh, what Christ did for us and when he came into the world. But we want to talk a little bit about this this evening. I love to read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. And I know for some people, uh, reading the Christmas story means reading the night before Christmas. And the, the, uh, the story that I want to read you tonight does not begin towards the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring and not even a mouse. With all due respect to Clement Clark Moore who wrote that poem, I would much rather read a Christmas story from the Bible. And the story that I want to read you tonight is from Luke chapters 1 and 2, and it begins with an angel and a young virgin and a very special calling greater than the world has ever known. So let me begin in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse number 26, and read to you the Christmas story. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. My challenge, those of you who know me well, my challenge is to take this momentous story that I've just read and to keep the comments brief. Uh, but I promise that I'll try to do that because I'm just going to concentrate on one very small part, part of this story. And that is the 15th verse of chapter 2 in which Luke wrote, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now listen very carefully to this, these words. These shepherds said, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. A few years ago, I had the privilege of doing that. I never thought that it would be possible in my lifetime that I would be able to visit Israel. But I was able to do what the shepherds did. I was able to go even unto Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is located just a very short distance from Jerusalem. Today, it's a city of about 50,000 people, and there are about 1 million visitors that go to Bethlehem every year with the same intent in their minds, let us go now even unto Bethlehem. And I know if you go there that you'll very quickly discover that it's not a place that you'd want to go unless it was for the main attraction. And the main attraction there is a church called the Church of the Nativity, and it's claimed that this church is built over the place where Jesus was born. Now, the current church that is there was built in the year 565. Uh, originally, well, that, that, uh, the original church burned, I should say. Uh, it was commissioned by Constantine in the year uh, 327, and then that church burned in the year uh, just prior to 565. And so they built the church there, and the church is now about 1,500 years old. And to go to Bethlehem and to see a 1,500-year-old church, that's remarkable in itself, but it really intensifies your visit to know the connection that that church has with the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, as many of the sites in the Holy Land are, no one knows if the claims are true that uh, Jesus was actually born in that place. I, I actually highly doubt it myself that this church is built over the actual place where Jesus was born. But I do know this, he was born in Bethlehem. I am convinced of that because the Bible says so, and that is an attested historical fact. 
Now, it might surprise you that although things have changed in Bethlehem, uh, the landscape has changed, yet the conditions of Bethlehem, as far as the conditions of the people, are, haven't changed very much at all. Uh, the socioeconomic and political conditions are very much like they were uh, in this story that we read in Luke chapter 2. The people are a different people, the problems are a little bit different problems, but the attitude that you find in Bethlehem today is very much the same as it was in the time of Jesus. Now Jesus was born there in, in the village, uh, was a very small village then, uh, a place where the poor were oppressed, where discrimination was practiced, where seething beneath the surface was a hotbed of revolt and violence, and all of those things are still present in Bethlehem today. And I remember when we visited the Church of the Nativity that there was a poor beggar that was sitting in the church square. Uh, he had only one arm and he was sitting there and he was playing a homemade instrument. He had a bow between his toes and he was running that across the one string that was on his instrument. And he was hoping, of course, that some tourists would come by and drop a few coins into his cup. Well, that's not unlike what you would have found in Bethlehem in the first century, a place of poor people, a place of beggars, and so it was in the time of Jesus. Now, Bethlehem has a very long history. Uh, the history of it, as far as what we know, is about 3,700 years, uh, years old. It, it appears the first time in Scripture when Jacob uh, buried his wife, his beloved wife, Rachel, there, uh, his wife who was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, it's also the place where Ruth and Boaz met and fell in love and they were married. And, as you know, it's the place where David lived, where David was born, and David kept his father's sheep in the hills around Bethlehem. Now, those are uh, interesting historical occurrences, but the most prominent thing about Bethlehem is the Old Testament prophecy that was made about it where it was said that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, would be born in that city. Now, today, Bethlehem doesn't look very much like a place of hope. Uh, there, there's great conflict there. The Jewish-Palestinian conflict is going on. Uh, Bethlehem is a place that has a high wall that surrounds it with razor wire on top, and the people are kept on the inside in order to keep suicide bombers from getting into the regular popula population of of uh, Israel and in Jerusalem and killing Israelis. So it's not a great place to go. But I wonder, is it possible, does the Lord want us to visit Bethlehem? Now, I went there physically. Many people don't want to visit Israel at all because of the violence there. But I, I would have to say that the Lord would like us to go to Bethlehem. Not, not physically, perhaps, but in a spiritual way. The Lord would have us to visit Bethlehem. Uh, let me just take a few minutes to give you three reasons why I believe that a visit to Bethlehem would be profitable. First, I would have to think about the potential of Bethlehem. The prophet Micah wrote, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Bethlehem was just a very, very small place among the towns of Judah. Not many people lived there. Uh, not a prominent place. There are much better places for 
this occasion or this occurrence to happen. Uh, Jerusalem would have been a much better place for a king to be born. That's the capital city, and that was the place of the kings of Israel. That's a natural choice. But as I think about that, I, I, I think about the beggar that was in the streets that we saw, and it reminded me that God has a way of dealing with the lowly, that God has a, a way of doing something very special with those that are down and out. The Apostle Paul said that God doesn't often choose the mighty. He, he doesn't often take notice of those that have nobility, but rather God chooses base things, the Word of God says, and, and God chooses weak things, things that are despised to confound the wisdom of the mighty. So Bethlehem is a place that represents potential. You see, it really doesn't matter uh, how, how rich that you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. God needs none of those types of things to make people useful in his service. He doesn't look at who we are because we're all very little compared to God and his power. We're all very little. We're all very insignificant. And it's God who has to lift us up by the power of his hand. And he fashions us and he transforms us into vessels that can be used for his service. God doesn't really want anything of what we are. What God wants to do is to change us, to make us over, to make us something new so that he can use us in his service. And so God taking a, a poor beggar is not a problem. He can turn that person into a powerful witness for his kingdom. And perhaps this is what the Lord would have from you, that he wants you to stop right where you are, that he wants you to turn around and wants you to head into a different direction. And perhaps the Lord wants you to go to Bethlehem where you can realize the potential of your life in the service of God. Now, I don't mean potential in the sense of worldly success. I mean potential in the area of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ of being a help to other people, of being an example to others through acts of kindness and words and deeds that you do to help others. By the power of God, the potential for great service is there. And then maybe the Lord wants you to go to Bethlehem for another reason. He wants you to learn about your potential. But secondly, I think that God wants you to understand His providence. This story is replete with God's sovereign superintendence over the affairs of men. The beginning of Luke 2 is a, a familiar part. It's a prime example of this. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Is there more to those verses than meet the eye? A decree was issued by Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar, he's the one that gave the order. But that was a decree that was superintended by God himself. God moved Caesar to make that decree because he had a purpose. The prophet Micah said that Jesus must be born in Bethlehem. And so God had Caesar make this decree to move to move Mary and Joseph into Bethlehem. And in order for God to do that, he had to set the whole Roman Empire into motion. Now, God cared very little for all the others that were had to be uh, displaced at that time. God had his eye on two particular people. Would you note that? He had his eye on two particular people among all the thousands that are there. And God wanted to move those two people from Nazareth down to, uh, to Bethlehem in order that Jesus could be born there. Joseph never would have made that 
hard journey of 70 miles with his wife nine months pregnant unless God, unless something had to happen to make it necessary for him to go. And that's what God did. He made it absolutely necessary. He had a decree that he could not avoid. Joseph could not avoid an offer that couldn't be refused. And so God's eye was specifically on these two, Mary and Joseph, and he moved them to Bethlehem, their ancestral home, to fulfill the conditions of the decree. Now, friends, that is a reminder to us that as we look at this troubled world with all the problems that it has, as we're disappointed in our government and the things that government does, we have to be mindful that Bethlehem shows that God is always in complete control. As Daniel said, the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men, and he does according to his will, according or among the inhabitants of the earth. Oh, have you ever thought about the Jews and their relation to the Lord God? How difficult it is for them, how oppressed that the Jews are? Is there hope for a people that is as small as they are, and a people that most of the nations of the world care nothing about and actually hate them? Is there hope for them? Is there, is there something for them? I mean, we're talking about first century conditions in a 21st century world for Israel, and it's always been that way. But is there no hope for Israel? There is. Because God promised a king to them, he promised a kingdom for them, and they and their king will rule in that kingdom. Oh, this is a magnificent thing. If you take a trip to Bethlehem, you can see that God rules the affairs of your life. And if God can rule nations then he certainly has no problem ruling the things that happen in your life. God can order your life and God can provide for you. That's one of the things that Jesus taught when he was here. He said, you don't really need to worry. You don't need to worry about where you're going to get food. You don't have to worry about your clothing or your shelter. God is able to provide those things. He provides for his people. And he said that I know your needs before you even ask. And he said, there's only one requirement that you need, and that is to seek me, to seek my kingdom, to seek my righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so there is no need for us to spend a minute worrying at Christmas time. And I know that some of you here, you may be worried. Finances have you worried, or family problems have you worried, or a job or the lack thereof. The bills may be piling up. You don't know where to turn. There can be many things that trouble you and you don't know what to do. And this is why you need to take a trip to Bethlehem because there you can see God in his providence that he rules the kingdoms of the world. And so he's able to do anything that needs to be done for you. He accomplishes his plans for his people. So there is potential in Bethlehem. There's providence there. Bethlehem reminds us that God truly does hold the world in his hands. And then finally, God may want you to go to Bethlehem to see the privilege of the place. What is it that you expect to find when you go there? Well, the place is not physically attractive. It's not worth the trip to see beggars and strife and fear and hopelessness in the eyes of the people. So what you really need to do is to go back to Luke 2, verse number 11, to see the privilege of Bethlehem. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Spiritually, there is a Savior in Bethlehem. Now the privilege of that place is that such a small, 
insignificant village became the birthplace of the one who had the power to save the entire world. Do you understand how easy it is to miss that? How easy it is to miss the Savior, that we do have this one that God gave that can save the world, and yet so many in the world have completely missed him? And that's the way it was when Jesus came to Bethlehem. There were people that totally missed him. The innkeeper missed Jesus when he came. He didn't know that if Jesus had been born in his inn, that someday somebody might build a huge edifice over his place, over his inn, with a plaque on the wall that said, the king of the Jews was born here. He didn't know that, and instead he turned Mary and Joseph away. There were many people when Jesus was born that missed the privilege of knowing him personally. But I can promise you this, if you make that trip spiritually to Bethlehem today, you're not going to miss him. And you'll understand what a great privilege it is to be with Christ because Christ can be, or you, you can be Christ Bethlehem. I'm saying that he can be born in you. The, the Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem, Bishop Philip Brooks wrote, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Now, what a privilege. A trip that you shouldn't miss. Christ can be born in your heart. And then you, in turn, can be born again, born from above by faith in him. So do you need to make a trip to Bethlehem tonight? Can you set aside all... The, all the anxiousness and the busyness of your plans for tomorrow and pause for just a moment to think about whether you should make a trip to Bethlehem. And I promise you the trip is worth it. Whatever, when you go there, you're going to find that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is there. That the potential for great service in His kingdom is there. That the providence of the Almighty God is there and He can order all the affairs of your life. And then I promise you this as well, that the privilege of having Jesus live in you is there if you'll just go to Bethlehem. Let us go even to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Let us go even to Bethlehem. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now thanking you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for that night so many years ago when you sent your Son into the world. As Galatians 4 tells us that you sent Jesus when the fullness of time was right, at exactly the right time, when the world was ready for him and you were ready to send him, uh, when... It, things that needed to be done had to be done. You sent Jesus into the world to live and to die, to become a sacrifice for our sins and to save us from them. And Lord, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. I do pray that as I've given the message tonight that there might be uh, people here who would think about what's been said about going to Bethlehem, not in a physical way, but in a spiritual way to understand what happened on that night so long ago. Lord, we do thank you again. We praise your name for all the great benefits that you give us for another year that's gone by. And so many of us have probably not even considered very much about you at all. Some never even open up a Bible during 
the week and some never even pray to you. Some never even think about this until Christmas rolls around. Lord, help us not to be a people that is so ungrateful that we could live day after day after day not thinking about what you've done for us. So Lord, open up our hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we see Jesus in all his glory, in his splendor, even as angels sang about him, announced his birth. Lord, we just pray that you would come into the hearts of people today. So bless us tonight, Lord. Give us a good day as we contemplate Christmas tomorrow. Uh, Give us a good time with our families. Uh, Keep everyone safe here. Lord, help us to magnify your name in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roanoke Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.